hello and welcome back to Adventures in North Wales from Go North Wales. I'm Mekanlin and in this episode we're heading south into Mid Wales and exploring the wildlife to be found here at Corstavy Nature Reserve. It's between Machenlath and Aberystwyth. This is the home to the Dovey Wildlife Centre. Over 100 types of birds, over 500 different insects and 24 types of mammals. And one of these is particularly interesting. They've been reintroduced to Wales only recently after having been hunted to extinction around 400 years ago. It is, of course, the beavers. But before we meet these remarkable rodent engineers, let's find out more about this incredible nature reserve. Joining me is Emir Evans, the Projects Manager for North Wales Wildlife Trust. Hi, Emir. Hi, how are you? I'm very good, Dichavor. So tell us more about this beautiful reserve at Corstavi. What's the history behind it? Okay, so Corstavi lies on the southern side of the Dovey River and uh, Montgomeryshire Wildlife Truck took, took ownership of it about 25 years ago with the ambition of restoring it to a lowland-raised peat bog. In the 60s, a Sitka spruce plantation was planted here, so that's dried the ground out and the bog out. So uh, it's an unenviable task, but we're trying to restore it to some kind of state of a wet bogland again. And being located here on the Dovey estuary must surely influence the wildlife. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, thanks to glaciation events over millions of years, uh, we have a, a plethora of different habitat types here. So we've got mountains, hills, uh, wet areas, dry areas. Uh, obviously, we've got different microclimates in different um, different areas uh, of the valley. So that determines exactly what kind of um, ecosystems we have here. How has the conservation preserved the beauty of this area then? So over the last 25 years, we've managed to create a different habitat here, uh, which is good for various plants and animals. So um, now we're starting to see the benefits of all the conservation. We see more insects, more small mammals, uh, rodents and more birds here. So overall, we've seen a, a great increase in the, in the biodiversity and the richness of animals and plants that we see here. What are the key species that visitors can see here? Well, obviously, the, the main attraction in the summer months is, are the ospreys. Within the Corse Dovey, we have a project called the Dovey Osprey Project. So that attracts about 50,000 people a year. Uh, so people can see the ospreys from the observatory over there that we can see. And that's, that's less than 200 metres away from the nest, which is the closest you can get in the UK, to a, illegally anyway, to a, a live osprey nest. So that, that's, that's great to, to bring visitors uh, and income here. But also, you know, the, the stars of the shows are also obviously the beavers, but we also have an awful lot of over 100 bird species have been recorded here, probably up to about 1,000 uh, invertebrate species. And because it's a wet bogland, we have very rare plants here um, that only grow in, in this kind of acidic uh, wet bogland uh, type. Ospreys are very rare, aren't they? Yeah, if you'd have asked me that question 20 years ago, I just would have said yes. Uh, now, thanks to the conservation efforts of not only us, but obviously a whole host of other parties and organisations, they're really doing quite well. They're still in a recovery population mode in Wales anyway. Uh, but in Scotland, which started before us really, they were extinct in the UK about 100 years ago. They slowly came back in the 50s and the 60s, probably 350, 400 pairs in Scotland now. And I think I, I'm comfortable saying that 
that for the first time in many centuries, we just crept over the double figures in Wales now. So there's probably, if I had to guess, well, let's say between 12 and 15 pairs of ospreys in Wales. Now, the good thing is, of course, there's two or three sites where you can actually go and see them like this. So this is the honeypot kind of projects. And that's good for the other nests because hopefully people can leave those alone. And if they want to see ospreys legally, they can come, they can come here and see them. There are so few places in the UK that ospreys nest. How do you encourage them to this part of Wales? So the good thing with ospreys is they're very easy to to try and attract to, to, to a suitable area. So as long as you've got a suitable habitat, um, ospreys only eat fish, so clearly it needs to be near water uh, with plenty of fish. The biggest tool that we have is putting nest platforms up, uh, and they're what we call nest or site-specific. So once they are uh, attracted to a particular nest area, it's usually the males that do that, then the males will take home in one of these nest platforms and try and advertise himself and, and the habitat uh, for, for females to come in and breed with him. So that an, is an easy one, really, that one. So there are probably 20 nest platforms up in Wales at the moment kind of thing in England and in Scotland as well and how successful is the Osprey project it kind of depends on how you measure success really so in terms of the success of the conservation and the proliferation of Osprey population it's good because as I said we've, we've got over 12 to 15 pairs of whales now I think we've reached a tipping point of they can basically look after themselves now in Wales so that that's good but obviously there are other measures of, of success as well now, actually an interesting one is, is biological recording because they only eat fish so you can monitor with the cameras that we have 4k cameras all over the place and the different types of species of fish they bring in. For example, they'll bring in rare species like Alice Shad or some other species from, from lakes and rivers that we didn't know that were there. So they're a great monitoring tool to see what's actually living in the rivers. And that's also a good thing because it gives us an indication of the cleanliness of some of the water systems we have around here. So tell me, how can the visitors catch a glimpse of the ospreys? Okay, so we're open every day in the summer months. So uh, it kind of varies slightly, but say from mid-March until early September, we're open every day, bank holidays including and, and weekends, 10 till 5. So they can come uh, any time during, during the summer months to see them. Uh, but obviously outside that season, all our ospreys have just gone actually now. So they mostly go to West Africa. In the winter months, you can't see ospreys anywhere in the UK, but we're open five days a week through the winter. What else is there for visitors to see and do while they're here then? You've got a magnificent visitor centre for starters. Yeah, so as I say, so the stars of the show are the ospreys, but obviously it's a nature reserve. There's all sorts of plants and animals here. This centre, by the way, is probably one of the greenest centres in terms of carbon in the UK. I, I think this year for the first time we were carbon negative to, to the value of around about 200%. So that basically means is that uh, with the solar panels that we have on the roof in the car park, we generate around about twice the amount of electrical energy that we consume. We consume 40 megawatts, which is a lot, but we produce about 85, 90 on the roof. So we export the other 40 to 50 megawatts into the, into the grid so other people can use it. So this is clean energy. So the other stuff people can do, there is a, uh, a cafe downstairs, Cafe Timmy, now it's called. And we also do events and education and talks and, and, and various types of, of things to keep people occupied during the winter. If you're visiting for the first time, what do you need to consider? 
Um, not much, really. It's, it's a nature reserve. Uh, the good thing is you don't need Wellingtons, or it's, it's, as you can see, there's a kilometre of dry, flat boardwalk, which is amenable to disabled people because it's extra wide. Um, there are lifts here for, for disabled people. So we're fully accessible to everybody, really. In addition to visiting, what else can people do to get involved with the work at Corstevi? I guess the main way is um, we have about 100 volunteers and they do a, an enormous amount of work for us. We, we simply couldn't run the reserve and the Osprey project without them. So they contribute around about 10,000 hours every year, uh, which is which is huge. You know, you can't afford to, to employ staff for that amount of time. So anything really from people engagement to security, to carpentry, to helping in the cafe, helping with talks, education, basically any, any skill sets that anybody has that, that they can contribute, you know, we'd, we'd love to hear from them. You mentioned the beavers. They must be a big attraction. They're nocturnal, so people don't see them in the daytime. But for the first time this summer, just gone, uh, we did run uh, a small amount of events so that people can actually see them. And they were a great hit. And we also have a lot of interpretation in the centre as well and people talking about the beavers. So, yeah, they've been a great hit. But we're hoping to to add on to whatever we did this year going forward. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what we'll do next year yet. We'll certainly be doing more beaver events. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Let's bring Alicia Leo Dyke into the conversation. Hi, Alicia. Hi. You're the Welsh Beaver Project Officer. So how long have you had beavers here at Corstevi? Um, so beavers have been here since March 2021, so only a few years. Why was the decision made to bring them here? So the beavers here, it's been something that Montgomeryshire Wildlife Trust has been looking at for a number of years, uh, mainly for the sort of habitat management um, of the site. So Cause Dovey uh, Nature Reserve, it should be, well, it is a lowland peat bog historically, but it's been mismanaged over the years, or hundreds of years going through different land uses. And one of the current land uses prior to the Wildlife Trust owning the, the Nature Reserve was a conifer plantation. Um, so that was sort of widespread over this reserve and conifers on a a bogland habitat just don't go hand in hand and the conifers themselves are actually damaging the site. So when the Wildlife Trust um, had the opportunity to purchase the nature reserve, they got rid of the, the conifer plantation and that was mainly to restore the lowland peat bog. But unfortunately, Willow got in there first and is completely sort of encroached over the reserve. I mean, Willow is a, a fantastic species, but on a a lowland bog is not the ideal plant and shouldn't really be here. Though it looks really beautiful now, well-wooded, nice wooded reserve, uh, the willow scrub is also having a damaging effect on the lowland peat bog and it is actually drying out the peats um, where there's too much of it. So the Wildlife Trust over the years have been trying to, to manage the scrub using volunteers going out there uh, to coppice the, the willow and remove the willow. But unfortunately, the willow just grows back quicker than it can be managed by hand. Also, with it being ex-forestry as well, there's lots of drain ditches and the legacy of the forestry so it just makes it a lot harder from a health and safety point of view for the volunteers and staff to manage it so that's where the wildlife trust Montgomeryshire wildlife trust have been sort of gone back to drawing board and looking at ways we can manage the reserve much more sustainably that's included uh, using a pair of water buffalo to graze the reserve so conservation grazing to help keep that uh, the willow down there's also some birch around and that's worked very well over the years and so they were finding over the years, as the buffalo got older, they just wanted the easier food to get to. And we're only going for sort of the nice new softer regrowth coming through rather than more established willow and birch. And so, again, that's where the wildlife trust went back to the drawing board saying, what else can we use? And it was like, well, if only we had a species that likes willow and likes water, 
And that's where beavers became the ideal solution because they love water and willow is one of their favourite food species. So that's why we looked at bringing beavers here purely as a habitat management tool. Where did you get this family of beavers then? Uh, so these beavers have been sourced um, from Scotland under licence. So in Scotland, uh, beavers were introduced uh, a number of years ago and now recognised as a native species. But with that, there is sort of a management strategy for beavers in Scotland. So although beavers can have many benefits, and some sometimes there can be sort of uh, negative impacts where beaver turns up in a place that may not be suitable for them. And so in parts of Scotland, you can trap and translocate beavers to another area. So this is where these beavers have come from. They come from an area in Scotland where there's been some conflict. So these beavers are trapped and brought down here and rehomed here um, down in the Coast Dovey Nature Reserve. They were native to Wales and the UK back in the day. Why did they die out? So yeah, beavers um, are a native species to, to Wales and were found right across Britain and over to Europe. And the reason they went extinct was mainly because they're such a valuable animal, particularly in medieval times. Beavers were highly prized for their fur, for hats and coats, their meat for food, their scent glands, which they use for marking their territory, was uh, hunted for medicinal purposes, teeth and claws for jewellery. So every part of a beaver was utilised in medieval times and were just unfortunately hunted over hunted um, and to extinction. So in Wales, they went extinct just after the Middle Ages. And by the 16th century, they're completely extinct right across Britain. Pretty much everything we all know about beavers, big tails and they build dams. Um, Why is that skill really important for conservation? Beavers can have lots of biodiversity uh, benefits. So where you have beavers, you often have an increase in, in other species going from invertebrates to fungi, plants, birds, fish, amphibians, reptiles and other mammals. And with the dams in particular, so beavers build dams mainly for two reasons. They like stable water bodies and they like water at least a metre deep. So if they move into an area where the water is quite shallow, they may build a dam across a small stream or tributary to, to create a ponded area of water, stable area of water. And that's either to keep their their lodge or burrow nice and secure um, or to be near a, a new food resource. And more recently, researchers have been looking into sort of the changes beavers can have on water flow. And it's been found beaver dams are not only providing homes for, for other wildlife, but they can also help slow the flow of water. So by building a a sort of a wooded dam, basically what it is, across a stream by just holding back that water and slowing that flow in heavy rainfall events rather than the water just rushing down that stream. It's just slowly flowing down um, and so that could potentially help reducing the risk of downstream flooding. Scientists have also looked at sort of the water quality behind beaver dams and found that beaver dams can hold back sediment and with that hold back nutrients and so the water quality, so basically the dams are almost filtering the water and so the water quality below dams has found to be a lot better than water quality above the dams. So there's lots of knock-on benefits uh, for, for other wildlife but also for humans in terms of those ecosystem services that we've been looking at more and more recently. And because they're so good engineers, does that create problems with keeping them inside an enclosure? So beaver enclosures um, are bespokely built. Um, So it's a high fence going around the beaver site and it has a mesh skirt around the base of the fence. So if a beaver tries to to burrow underneath, it can't. It just hits that mesh skirt. And the fence is monitored on a regular basis just to make sure it's still secure and making sure the beavers aren't getting out. And it's a big enough area that the beavers have enough to keep them them happy. There's lots of water within this beaver enclosure and lots of food uh, to keep them happy so they behave as they would in the wild so unless they come to the fence they don't really know that they're in an enclosure. They're in an enclosure here at Korstevi. Why aren't they completely free to roam then? 
So with uh, beavers in, in Wales, you do need a licence to release beavers back into the wild. So separately to the beaver work here at Course Dovey Nature Reserve, I work on the Welsh Beaver Project, which is a project that's run by North Wales Wildlife Trust on behalf of the Wildlife Trust in Wales. It's a project that's been going on for a long time now, since 2005, and looking into the feasibility of bringing beavers back into Wales. And more recently, we've been looking into sort of beavers back in the wild in Wales. And so with that, you do need a licence to release beavers back into the wild. You need to look at sort of catchment areas. So there's lots of sort of groundwork that needs to be done prior to sort of bringing beavers back. And um, we've had a few setbacks along the way, but we're looking at areas where we could bring beavers back in into the area, including the Dovey catchment where we are today. So the same area where the beaver enclosure is, but a separate project in that is beavers in the wild. So whilst we'd love to have the beavers in the enclosure out in the wild, it is a very separate project just because of the different regulations around it. How do you monitor the beavers? So in the enclosure, we have some uh, cameras set up around uh, the enclosure to monitor their behaviour. So the cameras here, similar to the cameras that have you on the Ospreys, they do link back to the visitor centre so the, the staff volunteers here can um, access those remotely to watch the beavers. And so the main things we're looking at with the cameras is looking at their body condition, checking they're nice and healthy, keeping an eye on numbers as well. So that's mainly how we monitor them. We can also monitor them doing sort of one-to-one visual checks. Um, so we have a hide in the, in the enclosure. So again, we can go out in the evenings to, to watch watch the beavers and that's a good way to monitor them and doing beaver watches with the public as well when we're doing those we're keeping an eye on on the beavers and checking that they're nice and healthy so that's part of the monitoring that we do with these beavers. How did the local community take to them? Overall, most people are really supportive of beavers in the enclosure. It was a bit of mixed reaction. Some people weren't too sure about beavers coming back onto the reserve. I think they were just worried about some of the conflicts that may take place. They've read about beavers elsewhere coming back with various reintroduction projects. And I think there's been confusion with the beavers here and reintroducing beavers back into the wild. So just trying to sort of get the message out that the beavers here in the enclosure are very much an enclosed project and very separate project. And with that, just informing people that these beavers are in a certain area in enclosure so they're not going to get out onto other landscapes uh, and we can monitor them very closely and I think that's helped sort of allay any fears that people might have had about the beavers. I think overall though people have been very supportive and the people that come here have been really interested in finding out more about the beavers and wanting to see the beavers when they come to visit. Can visitors catch a glimpse of them? So the best way to see beavers is booking onto one of the the evening beaver watching visits that the Montgomeryshire Wildlife Trust have been running. So beavers are pretty much a nocturnal animal. Well, they're mainly active at dawn and dusk, so they're actually a crepuscular animal, which means um, either staying late to watch beavers or getting up really early in the morning. So with that, if you're coming during the day, unfortunately you're not going to get a chance to see the beavers, but you can learn lots about them with the interpretation around at the, the centre. So if you want to see beavers, keep an eye out on the Montgomeryshire Wildlife Trust website for any evening beaver watches that they may run. So these run from late spring throughout the summer. Um, and so they did the, some events for the first time this year to see how the beavers reacted to people and how sort of people reacted to the beavers and they were really successful and so that's the best way just joining on to one of the, the evening beaver watches and yeah they'll be running these um, again in the future so that's the best way to come and see the beavers here. So Alicia what do you love about this project? Um, oh, so many <laughs> things. I think for me, it's seeing the, the changes in the habitat that beavers can bring and the other wildlife that move in when beavers start changing the habitat. So it's, yeah, for me, it's about the, the biodiversity and sort of restoring the landscapes and but also just seeing the beavers as well. I mean, it's great just sitting in the hide, watching the beavers. Each, it's a beaver family we have here. 
in the enclosure and each one has their own personality so without putting any sort of human emotions to it it's just nice seeing the, the interactions between the beaver family the different characteristics they have it's always a joy to see that and you always see something new um, every night you can come and see them and learn something new as well where can visitors find out more about the beaver project there's various uh, sources, so Montgomeryshire Wildlife Trust website, North Wales Wildlife Trust website, where we have a beaver webpage. There's lots of information on there. And also on uh, social media pages, W Wildlife Centre and North Wales Wildlife Trust and the Welsh Beaver Project. And how can people support the Welsh Beaver Project? If you go onto um, our webpage, so it's a, if you go to welshbeaverproject.org, we have lots of information on how you can support us through volunteering or finding out more about, about the project as well. So that's a blessed place to, to go. And there's also a donation page on there if you want, if you wish to sort of support us in that way as well. Can we take a look at the beaver enclosure then? Yes, let's go. the second gate. Here we are in the Paul's Dovey beaver enclosure. It's a seven to eight acre enclosure with about a kilometre of fencing all the way around. Um, so for the beavers, quite a large enclosure. There's three interconnected ponds and lots of vegetation around to keep the beavers happy. So as mentioned, the, although the beavers are enclosed, they behave as they would in the wild. So let's have a, a wander around the enclosure and have a, a closer look around. Oh, what's this? Yeah, so this is a beaver hide. As you walk round to the front, we can see uh, the windows overlooking the ponds, which open up and give a lovely view of the pond. And in front of us, we have a feeding platform. So although the beavers have lots of food to keep them going, we put some uh, platforms down, which we refer to as feeding platforms, which we bait. We put apples and carrots down on the feeding platforms. And the main reason to do this, mainly to tempt them into one area so we can monitor them. We've got two cameras here focused on the feeding platforms. And that's so we can keep an eye on the beavers, because although they are enclosed and they behave as they would in the wild, we want to make sure they're nice and healthy. So by monitoring with the cameras, uh, we can do that. Beavers are active at dawn and dusk. And so mostly sort of when no one's around to see them. So by having the cameras, we can monitor them during the night when there's no one here. We can access those remotely. And as I said, to keep an eye on the condition, to keep an eye on numbers as well. When the beavers came down from Scotland, it was a beaver family of three. So mum, dad, they came down with a son who was about 12 months old at the time and so we want to sort of check they're, they're still with us but also since then we've had a few additions uh, to the beaver family so the past two years they've successfully bred um, and had uh, given birth in the enclosure so last year they gave birth to a, a baby beaver so baby beavers referred to a kit so they had a kit last year and this year we observed another kit as well which is great news and by looking using the cameras we can see that when the, the beaver kits venture out from their lodge and come over to the feeding platform. Most of the time, the beavers will visit on a regular basis. So I hope it gives us a sort of better chance of seeing the beavers. Beavers that we had this year over the summer were really successful. Everyone managed to, to catch a glimpse of the beavers and got a good view of them swimming over and sort of watching them on the platform. And it gives us sort of a closer view of sort of the, the feeding behaviour, how they sort of handle their food, the interactions between the family group. Beavers are really social animals. And so they, they will mutually groom and they'll do sort of contact calls. They they're not very vocal, but they will do contact calls with each other. And that's great to hear when you're sat in the hide, listening out for that. And as we look over the pond, directly in front of us, it's very difficult to see at the moment. There's a, just a lot of reeds um, and trees, but that directly in front of us is actually a peninsula that juts out into the enclosure. So we have a pond in front of us. 
There's a pond behind that peninsula. There's a pond further back that you can see when you're sat in the hide. But in that peninsula there is actually the beaver lodge and that's where the beavers live. So beavers will either build burrows or lodges and this is what they live in. So a burrow can be something that's dug into a bank, a riverbank, for example, that has a big chamber and the entrance of the burrows goes down into the water. And sometimes they'll pile mud and sticks over these burrows to create a bigger construction and that becomes the lodge. And so on the peninsula, nice and safe away from people. When the vegetation dies down in the winter months, we can actually see it. When the beavers first moved into the enclosure, when they came down in in March 21, we did build them a temporary enclosure of some hay bales to give them a a structure so they had somewhere to rest overnight when they first moved into the enclosure. They completely ignored our attempts at building a a beaver lodge and they built their own lodge. We couldn't find it. We knew they had built a new lodge somewhere in the enclosure, but we couldn't find it until the first winter when the vegetation died back and we found it right in that peninsula. And we've been observing it ever since over the wintertime and it seems to get bigger every every year. So our estimate is about six foot high. So pretty big lodge that houses the whole family will have a main sleeping chamber. There'll be chambers for the other youngsters. There'll be a feeding chamber and entrances going into the water. And so the entrances are always underwater. That's so the beavers can come and go in safety. They always like being in or near water. And so they come from the the lodge over to the feeding platform when we're watching beavers um, in the enclosure. Wow, how big are the beavers? I think the size of beavers often surprises people. So I think sometimes people think of beavers as water vole size. That's not quite accurate. So an adult beaver can weigh up to about 25 kilos. Oh, wow. That's a pretty hefty animal. And they're about just over a metre in length from the tip of the nose to the end of their tail. So I guess the best way to sort of visualise that is if a sort of a medium sized dog. So yeah, pretty big animals. Um, but when you come to watch them, all you really see when they're in the water is you only really see the head and a bit of their back so in the water it's hard to sort of visualize the size but when they come out on land they're quite a a different sort of animal altogether the youngsters are are a lot smaller but that's the way we can tell the difference between the adults and their young is just from the the size differences of the animals Uh, we had a baby beaver born in this enclosure this summer if we first observed it in august but by that time it was about two months old baby beavers beaver kits are born sort of around april may time they'll stay in the lodge for about a month or two come june july uh, august time that's when the beaver kits will emerge from the lodge and venture out into the wider world so when baby beavers are born they're born fully furred they already have their paddled shaped tail their eyes open with a few hours and in a few days they can start eating soft vegetation so they do grow pretty quickly and beavers are really well adapted for living in water aren't they when you see beaver out out and about it has that characteristic paddle shaped tail webbed hind feet for swimming through the water so both the webbed hind feet and paddle shaped tail help beavers to swim the front paws are almost like hands are very dexterous and they'll uh, use that for holding food for digging as well and so very well adapted for for life in the water very thick fur as well and they have what's referred to as nick dictating membrane that comes over the eyes which is like a, a third it's a third set of eyelids that acts like a goggle so when beavers dive underwater those goggles will come across they can see underwater without getting water in their eyes they have valves in their nose and ears that will close so when they're underwater water uh, can't get in so it means they can forage underwater to bring food back up and they can stay underwater for up to 15 minutes as well if they really need to so very well adapted for for life in the water so we're just going to go for a walk around the enclosure to look out for some beaver signs oh you would go ahead Alicia (laughs) Um, so here we are. We've got some uh, beaver feeding signs. So this oh, is wow. a, um, some old feeding, possibly 
last autumn. Uh, so here you've got the characteristic pencil shape um, of a willow tree that's been felled. So the top branch um, has been felled and they've taken various branches of that to take away and feed on. And we've also got some beaver chips around the base of the tree, so it's a characteristic feeding sign. So each line, you can see each line in the chip and that's again a beaver bite. Um, so when the beavers are felling the tree, they'll uh, create these wooden chips, which is basically the heartwood uh, from the tree. They spit these out. For a beaver, this has no nutritional value and they discard these. And then when the tree comes down, that's when they can get to the rest of the bark and the leaves. What they're actually doing is coppicing the tree. Because what we still have here, we still have the basis tree is still intact. The root system is still intact. The tree, once it's been sort of uh, coppiced by a beaver, the roots will then put lots of energy into growth and then they'll start putting energy into new shoots coming through. And as you can see on this coppice stem, there's lots of new regrowth coming through, lots of fresh greenery. This is creating habitat and food for the wildlife. And this is one of the reasons why I want to see beavers back is because of that sort of restoration um, of sort of natural processes. When the beavers are, are felling a tree, cutting a tree, yes, it's for them for their benefits of feeding and creating materials for construction, but it has a knock-on benefit for other wildlife. And it's also creating more food for the beavers as well. They'll come back to this uh, maybe later on the year and take the, the new regrowth coming through. And there'll be some trees that the beavers won't even go for. So when people are worried about beavers sort of felling trees and getting rid of all the trees, that's not quite what happens. It's a very dynamic system. It's constantly changing. Oh, you must love having the beavers here at Karstavi. We love watching the beavers here and finding out new things about what they do. We love showing people what beavers can do and showing people beavers themselves. So there's lots of interpretation at Core Study Nature Reserve. So if you come here during the day, there's lots of things to learn about the beavers and show you what the beavers can do. The beavers themselves will be tucked up in the lodge during the day because they're only active at dawn and dusk. So if you come during the day, it's mainly sort of looking at the interpretation around the visitor centre. But we have been running beaver watching visits closer to summer we'll be advertising them and providing more information on them and our visits comprise of a talk so you find out more about the beavers here in the enclosure and about our wider beaver work and then opportunity to come down to the hide sit in the hide and hopefully see beavers in the evening thanks alicia the beavers here at Karstavi are obviously in great hands I hope that has given you a taste of just some of the incredible wildlife to be found here there's so much more to explore too Head to gonorthwales.co.uk to find out more. Remember to hit subscribe and rate the podcast. From me, Megan Llyn, at Carstavi. Hopefully see you soon here in North and Mid-Wales. Gwilfawr! <laughs>